Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. You're listening to Double G Radio. To all the non-believers, how did that? To all the non-believers, anybody can be beat. Relax and enjoy our expert analysis of all proteins in the concrete jungle. Can't wait. Hello, happy afternoon, everyone. This is Daniel Yanofsky with Double G Sports Blog Talk Radio's The Main Event. Once again, I am the Joey Styles of Blog Talk Radio, Daniel Yanofsky, here to talk about UFC 214. Now, for those that are tuning in now, confused as to why this is not at the normal 12 o'clock hour. Well, let's just say that reviewing the show and everything that happened this past weekend, or this past week in general, takes a lot of time and effort to uh, put a show like this, if you're knowing that, but people may not think that. Here's the thing. UFC 214 made me think a lot about what the future of the UFC holds. Now, I was wrong about many things, one, including John Jones' Uh, beating Daniel Cormier. I was very wrong about that. But we we move on from that. We move on to bigger and better things, specifically talking about UFC 214 and what it means for the rest of the year for the company and MMA in general. Was this the best card of the year? It's debatable. A lot of good moments. None of the fighters backed out of the fight, nothing happened, nothing controversial. So we can thank whoever is in the power of the UFC, the UFC gods, let's go with that, because there are the wrestling gods, the UFC gods, or the MMA gods. We can thank them for that. I thought this was a fantastic card, up and down, a lot of great moments uh, to remember. And although there was one bad fight that resulted in controversial fashion, that resulted in controversial saying from Dana White, it wasn't the worst thing. There's always going to be a bad match on a card. I can look back at a recent UFC pay-per-view where two heavyweights didn't match it. There's always one. Remember UFC 208, Glover Teixeira had a very bad match. It was a very crap match. So for every great match like Jones, Cormier, and Valder Cerrone, uh, there's going to be a Woodley Maya as sad as that is to say. Besides UFC 214, we will be getting to SummerSlam for WWE, which is coming up. And if you guys want the Mayweather-McGregor matchup that is coming up on the 26th, there is no major UFC events that can compete with Mayweather-McGregor after this 
that's the last night. So we will just get back down to that if we have some time. The number to call is 914-338-0897. I'll be taking your calls discussing UFC 214, your thoughts and reviews on John Jones winning, and what's next for Daniel Cormier. To start things off, UFC 214 last night was one to remember just because of how stacked the undercard and everything else in between it was. We had the fight pass prelims, which just was stacked in general. You had like everything you wanted and more in a fight card. You had uh, Drew Dober, Jared Brooks. Jared Brooks should not be in the prelim card, in the fight pass card. He's really good, and I would recommend having him as 13-0. He should be on a regular card already. Uh, you had Brian Ortega defeating Renato Moicano. But my main interest on the preliminary card on FXX, by the way, FXX holding it, not FS1. FS1 did hold it. I know this because I was watching it yesterday. But the fact that FXX, which is not uh, known for its sporting events, it's known for its movies, and it's hardcore drama, hardcore uh, films or TV shows. Maybe that's because maybe that's why UFC decided to put it on there because it's on FXX and it's more violence. Very interesting because FS1 is the home for UFC. So I find it very interesting that they changed just by a little bit where they would be playing the station. Now, because Jungle G Sports is Northeast based. We will be discussing Alamein Sterling, who is from Uniondale, New York, Long Island, and who was born in Cortland, New York, and as a fellow Ithacan, or who, someone who went to Ithaca College, I cannot condone anything being said nice, uh, positively about Cortland, but since he's from Long Island, he's an exception. So, blue Cortland, Cortland can, and Sterling's from Long Island now. Very impressive showing by Sterling, who I think continues to grow like every day. He has a 14-2 record. He lost two fights in a row. It was UFC and Fox Shevchenko versus Pena and UFC Fight Night Almeida versus Garbrandt. Then he won two of the last fights uh, by unanimous decision, Augusto Mendez and Renan Barrow. So this guy is someone who is given the opportunity can fight and perform at the highest level. He's a catchweight right now, and I think he can thrive in any opportune moment that's given him. He can thrive in the featherweight division. The bantamweight division um, currently has Cody Garbrandt as its champion, but the featherweight division currently has Max Halloway. I like his chances against uh, Halloween more than Garbrandt, but a Garbrandt fight would be very interesting for the 27-year-old uh, fighter fighting out of Uniondale, New York. He put on a great show, and everyone has been praising him. And it's a good reason why, because he could be the future of MMA, even at the age of 27. Now, getting to the main card, it started off with a bang. And I don't know if that was a good thing or not to show if the night would, if this would be a theme of the night. But... Vulcan Ozdemir defeated Jimmy Manua uh, in 42 seconds in round one by KO. 
And that reminded me of when Ryan LaFleur got beaten a few weeks ago at UFC Long Island at the Nassau Coliseum. And it, it was just, it just happened right away, just unexpected. And we were, I was afraid that it was going to affect the entire card just based off of timing and the theme of just being knocked out early, but luckily it wasn't. Uh, so that was one disappointment of the night. Robbie Lawler defeated Donald Taroni in three rounds. This should have been five rounds. Heck, make it 12 rounds. Make it a boxing match length. Not sure how long boxing. I think it's 12 rounds. Still, Lawler and Taroni put on a show. And that's not surprising. Tony loves to fight. I think in total this year, in 2017, he has fought two times. 2016, he fought four times. 2015, he's fought four times. He's like He loves to fight and will do it wherever he can. However, going back-to-back fights is not good for him as he's lost his last two. But he's won four out of six. And before that, he lost against Rafael Dos Santos at UFC on Fox in 2015. But he won eight fights before them. He is a legendary fighter. He just loves to fight. He he was upset that he lost, but he was more than happy to uh, fight anyway. I thought that Cerrone had the advantage over Lawler. Apparently the judges thought otherwise, and that, I think, was the first controversial decision of the evening. I think a lot of fans were interested in Cerrone winning, but it's not to be messed around with. He, well, he lost his last fight against Tyron Woodley, but he came back against Donald Cerrone. Before that, he won five fights in a row. So I want to, I want to see both of them face up again. That'd be fantastic. Maybe at the November uh, official, by the way, November 4th is MSG. UFC event, UFC 217, I believe. So get ready for that. If both of these fight, fighters can have a rematch against one another with that card, that'd be fantastic. Then we'll get to who will be at UFC 217 shortly. Next up, you had Chris Cyborg against Tanya Evinger. Fight was predictable. I feel like it was over before it started. Uh, give credit to Tanya Evinger, who took all of uh, Cyborg's shots and just kept on fighting, making it to the third round. But Chris, Cyborg was just way too much. Her punches, her kicks, everything about her strikes were on point. And she officially took her out with a TKO via knees. And what can you say about Cyborg? She is incredible. She's finally the uh, women's featherweight champion that she should have been before uh, Holly Holm and Jermaine Deronime at UFC 208, possibly bringing some prestige into the title and possibly bringing credibility back because Cyborg is a monster. The fact that this is her first UFC title is crazy to think about. Who should she face next? Supposedly, she wants to face Holly Holm. Uh, After the last couple of fights, Holly Holm is... Not probably the most ideal opponent to face, but it would if it would have been Cyborg versus Holly Holm originally at UFC 208, that would be fine. But 
I think that home versus her can be a good eye-opening experience for Holly Holm. Or you have Megan Anderson, who uh, had to be scratched from the card due to injury for USC 214. Uh, I think Megan Anderson would be perfect fit for Cyborg. How long that'll take is up to USC to decide. It's either between home or Anderson. And I would say I'm leaning more towards Anderson just because you want to see that epic fight between two badass women and Holly Holm has had her chance. And I'm not too sure she'll be able to stick around uh, in the spotlight in the UFC for much longer. Next, you had Tyron Woodley facing Damian Maya. They went the whole five rounds. And I don't know. What's worse than a stinker? I will say that UFC fans who boo inside the arena, who boo any performer that they paid to see, should not be at that event. I thought that they turned into a pro wrestling crowd, which is probably the worst thing that could possibly be because sometimes a pro wrestling crowd can be really unruly. But they put their phones in the air, channeling Bray Wyatt, they chant boring. And this is two fights in a row where Tyron Woodley has had boring fights. So first being the second matchup between him and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I'm not sure if that's his style. I'm pretty sure, like, right out of the gate, he started really well. But uh, Woodley had a chance to take Maya out originally, but he brought him back up. I think that's what started the process of uh, the snooze fest that we saw. Now, I don't consider it actually a snooze fest. I think it was more technical than people think. It was more thought out. It was a more thought out game plan. Unfortunately, not many people thought that was the case, resulting in boos and unruly fans. And it's unfortunate. And now Dana White is upset at the Woodley fight, and any chance that he has facing GSP uh, is over, which I think is a good thing because I don't think GSP deserves a title shot immediately. Like Chris Weidman, after winning at UFC Long Island, should not get a title shot automatically. He should face other people. And I truly believe GSP should be facing other people before getting a title shot. But now that Woodley uh, and Maya was deemed this news fest by many, uh, Dana White said that ship has sailed and the ship has sailed right into uh, Mike Bisping's port. And if that's the case, UFC 217 in New York City will feature Michael Bisping facing uh, GSP for the middleweight title. Not sure how I feel about that. I, li- I like Bisping a lot. I think he has great character and great skills and very entertaining. I truly believe it should be Yoel Romero who should face Bisping because that's like the money fight. It's a true money fight because uh, Whitaker beat... Romero, but Whitaker has to get surgery. So he has the interim belt. Why not just have the person who challenged for the interim belt, uh, UL Romero, who beat Chris Wyman in what was considered a number one contenders match at UFC 205. Uh, I say have them fight at UFC 217. However, I'm not the matchmaker. So you have GSP versus Bisping, which it's going to be very interesting how that turns out. My personal opinion about that is no, but I'll save the Kevin Hart no for later on. Now, Woodley versus Maya went five rounds. It was an okay match. 
you could say that's the one bad match of the night. Like I said, every card has one of those bad matches. I'll give you an example just so we're going to go there. Glover Teixeira, UFC 208. You also had, which one was it? I think it was Cummins versus Beyonce. Vellante, sorry. Uh, Cummins versus Gian Vellante was pretty bad. Uh, but you also had, at the last show, at Romero Whitaker, UFC 213. You had Alistair Overeem versus Fabricio Wordham, which was pretty bad. Curtis Platus versus Daniel Omiokin Cook was pretty bad as well. There are going to be those fights that are pretty bad that just defy logic as to why they're on the card. But they looked good on paper. And that's the unfortunate part. So do I blame uh, uh, Woodley? No, not really. But he has to step it up now because he has defended the title twice against Stephen Thompson, one in a draw that was unfortunate uh, decision-making by the referees. That wasn't his fault. Stephen Thompson in the second fight, not good at all. Damian Maya, not good. He's had good fights that have lasted a short amount of time. That's what I think he needs to go down to. He needs to just make it quick and painless just so fans can go home happy and Dana White will not be under his skin in order to take away matches that he has or undermine him and his ability. And now, time to talk about the main event, which was John Jones versus Daniel Cormier for, for the light heavyweight title. This is two years in the making. Two years because John Jones can't seem to get his act together. I know this based off of, sorry, based off of how he's been handled so far in the past few years. He has been hit and run. He backed out of UFC 200 because of uh, performance and uh, drugs. And I feel bad for Cormier because he's one of the best fighters there, there ever are. There was. But, these, but John Jones is the best athlete UFC has today. And I think they need to face off more often just because uh, Cormier deserved a t- uh, some matches against Jones, but he went out. But I think that Jones, by beating Cormier, is now the role model that he says he is. He's the comeback story which is great. Uh, for the first two rounds, I thought Jones won round two, but from the looks of things, Cormier was doing all right for himself. They were both uh, hot out of the gate. Not as much emotion as the time around. They did end up uh, bumping fifth uh, toward the bumping gloves towards the uh, beginning of the fight, which is very interesting considering their hatred for each other, but I think that's mutual respect. I think that they are rivals, but they have respect for one another, knowing that both are good or one of the other is good. Sorry, just fixing my microphone. And I think that these two are great for each other. There, there's a Jekyll. There's a like you never. I haven't seen much of a rivalry since McGregor and Diaz, and even before that, you haven't seen that much uh, until the early days of the UFC. But Jones and Cormier are fantastic for each other. Cormier was out of the gate, as was Jones. And Jones, in the third round, uh, had a huge kick on Cormier's head. That probably knocked him out originally. 
Cormier was trying to get to the cage, and Jones high kneed him in, in, or tried to high knee him in the face. And then when Cormier went down, Jones beat him senseless, and it took the referee quite some time. It was Big John, not Big John McCarthy, maybe. And Jones won in dramatic fashion. KO. Cormier at the end did looked awful. He did not get up for quite some time. And then there were those, like the State Bleacher Report, that memed him or gave him a gif, and it just it was kind of upsetting. This is what I have to say to you, and I don't want to ever use Kevin Hart. I've been using user one so far. Not a huge fan of Kevin Hart as an actor, but we're going to try this. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. That was my reaction to Beach Report, and also when I first saw that Cormier lost, that was my reaction. Unfortunate as it may be for Cormier, it's a great moment for John Jones to finally get on top of the mountain. Uh, he is one of the best fighters in UFC history, or one of the. And after UFC 214, his resume is quite staggering, thanks to Mike Bone uh, from UFC Today. He has the longest active UFC win streak with 14 wins, second longest win streak in UFC history with 14, I believe it's Anderson Silva that's ahead. Uh, most UFC light heavyweight wins, 17. Tied second most UFC title fight wins, 11. That was before he got shipped to the title. Tied third for most UFC title fight finishes, 6. Most UFC light heavyweight finishes, 10. Most total strikes in light heavyweight fights, 1,368. Most significant strikes in light heavyweight fights, 11. Uh, 116. Most fight bonuses of any light heavyweight, 8. Most fight time for any light heavyweight, 4 hours, 13 minutes, 13 seconds. He's been going the distance each time, or not almost each time, and he has been incredible all the way through. And give him, I'm going to give him all the credit in the world that he is one of the best fighters. Now, what he does after this win, to prove that he is the best, and to prove that all this nonsense is behind him, it's totally up to him. He needs to prove he's a model citizen. He needs to prove that he can be the role model for kids that they deserve. Because the redemption story is great. What you do after you actually win is up in the air. And that is very dangerous. Because John Jones has admitted that he let all the success go to his head. He took it all in all at once, which is a terrible idea. Being a 23-year-old winning the title, now 30 years old, maybe he's in the prime of his career. We don't know. Is if he can stay healthy and not be stupid, then we can see a lot of John Jones. Cormier, he's not going to retire. Hopefully, he won't. I would have loved a trilogy fight against John Jones. Maybe we'll see that down the line. But Cormier has fought his hardest, and I think he deserves all the respect in the world. Jones praised him after the fight which was shocking to see considering the hatred that they had, but he knows he's a good fighter and he knows he's the best uh, opponent for him. And I thought that was great when he kissed his head. I don't know if Cormier knew about it, but hopefully Cormier can get back on track and get it going again. It's an unfortunate loss for him. Now, after UFC 214, the fight, the main event, uh, which is the name of our show, the main event, I am Daniel Yanofsky with Double G Sports. Blog Talk Radio, call in at 914-338-0897. Uh, 
Jones called out a man who has been rumored to be wanting to face more what UFC is trying to get in Brock Lesnar. Now, Jones has been adamant about moving up weights because he thinks he can be dominant as a heavyweight as well. So, what I think about that match is it's between two people who have been suspended over the past couple of years, and one is a professional wrestler. I think, well, the problem is that uh, Brock Lesnar can't fight at the November card because of his suspension. The latest he'd fight is maybe December uh, or late, late November for the UFC based off his suspension. So I'm not sure where the UFC is going to go with this. But if this is to actually happen, it would be a great moment uh, in UFC history, just because you have one of the best fighters in the world versus one of the best brawlers in the world in uh, Daniel Cormier and, I'm sorry, uh, John Jones and Brock Lesnar. How it all plays out will be very interesting. Personally, I would be up for that fight just because of the money involved and also because of the dramatics. Now, was this a great card overall? Yes. Were there some hiccups? Yes. But that's how these fights go. And so since one fighter challenged a person from the WWE, another fighter will. And Cyborg has been challenging uh, Becky Lynch, the four horsewomen. This is the second time a woman UFC fighter has challenged WWE fighters. First being Ronda Browsey, uh, spoilers for the Mae Young Classic, with her her four horsewomen fighting WWE's four horsewomen in Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, and Charlotte. I'd be okay with a cyborg Becky Lynch feed. I just hope cyborg doesn't actually kill Becky Lynch and knowing that WWE is more relaxed than UFC, I would hope that she can handle uh, kayfabe and keep it somewhat relaxed. A somewhat relaxed atmosphere because that's all we need. And you know what? That'd be a great fight. Maybe. I mean, a little publicity never hurt anyone. It's called the Invasion 2.0, except better. Now, a UFC 217 in New York, you could have the possibilities of Bisbing versus GSP. Uh, what, else, what other fights do you think we can have? We can have a Weidman fight. We can have a Garbrandt versus Dillashaw fight. 217, they'll look to stack it up like they have for the previous UFC show in Madison Square Garden where Conor McGregor became a two-time, two-division champion. And I don't know. 217 is a long way from now, if you think about it. But it looks like it can be one of the best cards considering you have Michael Bisping fighting. Could you have John Jones facing uh, Steve Miocic? If he wants to go to heavyweight, yes, but John Jones said he's not as no known as a Brock Lesnar fight. A little mean, yes, a little harsh, a little too cocky, but it's somewhat true if you have a name like Brock Lesnar who is in the WWE and UFC. So overall, UFC 214 was a smashing success. Looking forward to see what John Jones can do next. Looking forward to see what Cormier does when he recovers. And now we get to SummerSlam 2017 which is an interesting card 
because let's take a look at this. You have Brock Lesnar defending the title against Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, the universal title. For the past one, two, three, four years, uh, Brock Lesnar has main evented a SummerSlam pay-per-view. And one, two, three, four. Five out of six years. Wait. One, two, three, four, five, six. Five out of the six years, Brock Lesnar has uh, main evented the SummerSlam pay-per-view. It was 2012 in the Civil Center against Triple H. 2013 uh, was John Cena versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship. 2014, you had Cena versus Lesnar for the championship, which was a total squash. 2015 was in the Barclays Center versus The Undertaker. 2016 was Lesnar versus Orton where he basically murdered Orton, and 2017 is the four-way match. That is quite the resume to have, considering he's part-time, one, and two, he's only been there for a few years, and he just does the same thing, but it's entertaining against the opponents he faces. His match with Joe could have been interesting, and I, and I think that the WWE will actually take the belt off Lesnar. Whether that's given to Roman Reigns or to wait until WrestleMania is totally up to them. Considering that John Cena is a free agent, uh, he could go to Raw and face the winner of that match. But I think because Brock Lesnar is going to want to fight John Jones, that would mean that they would trade that they would uh, trade away Lesnar's title reign unless he goes in as champion, which would be very interesting uh, because of the fact that it'd be double the publicity for WWE. They wouldn't probably put the title on him for the actual event, but it would be very interesting to see how it goes along. Now, in regards to SummerSlam this year, you have the following matches so far. Jinder Mahal versus John Cena or Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE Championship. SmackDown Live was better than um, Battleground 100%. Uh, and I'm not sure where they're going with this, because Shinsuke Nakamura is fantastic, and they shouldn't have to job out to John Cena or lose to John Cena. I think that's where we're going here. Unless there's a triple threat. Not sure what Nakamura is going to do at the biggest party this summer, and that's a little frightening. You have the possibility of uh, you have Naomi versus Natalia, which is interesting considering it's not Charlotte. I'm wondering what she's going to be doing, maybe facing Carmella. Um, but uh, Natalia is deserving of a title shot because she's worked her butt off for the company only to be ridiculed based off of her gimmicks and that's unfortunate because she should not have terrible gimmicks because you know she's a great wrestler but that's the way the cookie crumbles and now she's getting her opportunity to shine uh, at SummerSlam Good for her. I think she'll win this bout uh, just based off of Alexa Bliss versus Bailey. Surprisingly, not Sasha Banks, uh, which is interesting to say the least. Maybe they'll put some controversial rule into it because Sasha's uh, shoulder was up when Bailey pinned her. And maybe they'll go along the lines of having um, the triple threat. But you also need a heel Sasha Banks in the mix. I feel like a heel Sasha Banks would be fantastic. So having the three of them face off would be great. Other matches rumored for the card. Apparently Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins are going to be teaming up. Instead of facing 
uh, Tina, uh, the Miz for the Intercontinental title, they'll face each other. They'll face Cesaro and Sheamus for the tag team titles. Where does that leave the Hardys and the Revival and Kyle Anderson? Not sure. We'll have to wait and see. Instead, the Miz would not be defending against them, but possibly against uh, Kurt Angle's quote-unquote son, Jason Jordan, which would mean that Jason Jordan would be winning the Intercontinental title starting his push, which is very interesting to say the least. I'm a big fan of The Miz, but him jobbing out to uh, Kurt Angle, uh, Kurt Angle's son, uh, would be very interesting to say the least. And it'd be, they can get a good match of each other because I know Jason Jordan's a good wrestler. I think Chad Gable's better, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, very interested to see. Uh, AJ Styles doesn't have an opponent for WrestleMania yet. As you, you knew, the United States champion, he could face Kevin Owens again. Or Nakamura, if Nakamura does not win a match against Cena, which would not be the worst thing in the world. In other news, you will have Bray Wyatt against Finn Balor, supposedly, and if Finn Balor can bring out the Demon, that'd be fantastic. Not sure what Bray's doing here, just because he never gets a win, but that's to be creative for you. You never really know until it happens. I mean, Bray Wyatt did beat Seth Rollins, so he has all the momentum heading into SummerSlam. And <clears throat> Finn Balor has not faced anyone. So, let's wait and see. Maybe Big Cass versus Big Show. Down one. And that's SummerSlam right now as we speak. We also have NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Bobby Roode versus Drew McIntyre for the NXT title. Oscar versus Ember Moon. I think Ember Moon will take it this time. If not, Oscar should go up to um, the main roster as champion, which would be very interesting to see. Just like Kevin Owens did, defend her title on the main roster. Officer Payne versus Sanity. And Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Cian almost because uh, Tommaso Champ is injured. Overall, it's a great weekend card for WWE. And I think that it's going to be a great weekend in general. We'll have to wait and see what happens with that. But UFC 214 blew it out of the water. So hopefully WWE can continue their momentum. <clears throat> if you have any thoughts and predictions, I'll be talking about them as the weeks go on. You can follow Double G Sports at Double G Sports. DGS underscore main event or Dan, Y-A-N-O-F-S-K-Y. So, now that we talked about UFC 214 and SummerSlam, I will end this show to let you continue to have a great Sunday evening. And we'll see you next week for another edition of the main event on Double G Blog Talk Radio. And have a great, great rest of your night. Game of Thrones tonight. Enjoy. <laughs>